Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick. While a CMO of Time Doctor and Staff.com, which have been described as one of the most popular time tracking and productivity software platforms, Leah Martin has now co-authored a book which aims to develop employers' mindsets and facilitate successful remote working practices. Liam, before we discuss the book, I understand that a number of people in your team are currently based in the Ukraine. How are they doing? Thanks for having me. They're doing well. Uh, Again, this is one of the, I guess, disadvantages of having a distributed team throughout 40 different countries throughout the world is you end up having people everywhere. And our team members have, at this point, been safe, uh, but we're hopeful that we can get them out as quickly as possible. President Joe Biden was calling it out prior to it happening that there was going to be an invasion from Russia into Ukraine. Did your employees take that seriously at the time or were they cynical in relation to it? I remember the night before the invasion, both me and my business partner spoke to all of those people. And again, we do not like to speak to people inside of asynchronous remote organizations. We pleaded with them saying, we will fly you anywhere on planet Earth. We will set you up with an apartment for three months anywhere on planet Earth. Please, let's get you out of here. A few of those team members took our offer, and we're very thankful that they did, and they're very thankful that they did. But a lot of our team members said, absolutely not. This is not going to happen. Uh, Putin will never invade Ukraine. And three days after the fact, we could not get them out. And of course, some of the best software engineers and developers in the world are coming from that part of Europe itself in Ukraine. You have deeper concerns about the development of software as a result of this in the medium term. Absolutely. Uh, Just from talking to my friends that are all in the tech industry, every single person I've spoken to have team members in Ukraine and specifically Kiev. It is really one of those hubs for technology. And we're probably not only, we're seeing the tip of the iceberg when it comes to where software is going to go over the next, I'd say, 18 to 36 months if we don't solve the Ukrainian-Russian war right now. I want to speak to you about a number of different topics this morning. Let's start with your company, mystaff.com. What's it all about? The mission statement is, and we've been doing this for over a decade, so for your listeners that have not really understood remote work since the pandemic, there have been people that have been doing it for a long time. Our mission is empowering the world's transition towards remote work. So we have tools like timedoctor.com, which is time tracking tools for remote workers, staff.com, which is a time analytics tool to be able to measure exactly what you can do to become more productive in your work, and then running remote, which is the largest conference on building and scaling remote teams. And of course, Liam, there are lots of employers now that are finding themselves in a situation where they can bring staff back into the workplace, but many of their staff want to continue working at least for part of the week from home. Some of the concerns that employers have around this is how do we manage their performance and their effectiveness? Talk to me about how Time Doctor does that. So we have a relationship both jointly between the employer and employee where they can both have access to all of the tasks that they're doing throughout the workday. They can analyze what websites they're interacting with and really figure out what are the critical things that they can do to become more productive throughout the workday. And it's really important to be able to make sure that both the employee and employer have access to that information jointly so they can both see the same definition of truth and not necessarily just have one party have access to that information. But we've been doing this for almost 12 years now 
And uh, it really allows for people that peace of mind and accountability that employers are looking for while still optimizing the productivity of individual employees. And your website, staff.com, is dubbed as the Fitbit for work. Explain how that works. So I don't know if you've worn a Fitbit or I have something called an Uber Ring, which just analyzes all of the different things that I do throughout the workday and makes very specific suggestions to me on what I should be doing to be able to optimize my productivity. I remember once, one evening, I was out drinking with a few buddies of mine, and the next morning it suggested that I drink water because it thought that I had a couple more, a couple too many drinks. <laughs> we do exactly the same thing with staff.com, where we can tell you, you're actually working too hard. Uh, you're working on the weekends, and it looks to me like you're just about to burn out. So I would suggest that you stop working on the weekends or evenings, or I would stop spending so much time on Zoom as an example. It's not really good for your overall productivity. And of course, you're based in Montreal in Canada, and you're also the co-founder of the Running Remote Conference. Provide us with this year's team for that conference. Sure. So Running Remote is the conference specifically focused on building and scaling remote teams. We've been running it for about five years, and we really... At that point, we're looking at a very small cottage industry. We had ran the largest conference in the space, and it was 750 people back in 2019. Obviously, now the subject has grown quite a bit bigger uh, since 2019, and we bring people in from almost every other country, every country on planet Earth to be able to learn the tactical and strategic skills that you need to be able to not just build a business remotely, but scale a business remotely. And what are those skills? So it's quite counterintuitive. When the pandemic started, everyone was doing what I like to call emergency remote work or basically work from home at gunpoint. It was an emergency experience <laughs> where everyone was saying, okay, within a few days, we have to switch our entire operations over to remote. Well, the reality is that the vast majority of those people just recreated the office remotely as opposed to actually recognizing how to manage remote workers. And this is really focused on a couple different variables that we'll probably talk about. But the biggest one is the concept that we call asynchronous management, which just effectively is the ability to be able to manage a business without necessarily having face-to-face conversations with anyone inside of that organization. Something that has caused many problems for employers over the past two years is their ability to manage the culture within the organization when you have so many of their staff dispersed right across the country and also right across the world. Absolutely. The forced cultural <laughs> programs that have been implemented over the last two years have been probably really difficult for employees as well. The vast majority of the time, employees want to be able to engage with a company's culture on their terms. And unfortunately, as we've been going through this transition to remote, not many HR professionals really recognize how to make that shift over. So what we suggest inside of the remote work world is work with those individual people. What do they want to do? Do they want to actually get a couple dollars together every single Friday night and go out with a couple of their friends that they wouldn't work with uh, in person throughout the work week and go out to a pub at the end of the day? Do they want to use Oculus Rift headsets to be able to interact with people virtually in the metaverse? Or do they want to just completely not interact with those people, interact with them in a completely different way? You need to be able to ask those people those questions. Don't just assume that cultural kind of interaction effects are the same in the office as they are remote. 
And Liam, the pandemic itself prompted yourself and Rob Rawson to write a book, Running Remote. What do you hope to achieve from that? So for me, it's really focusing on this core tenant, which was the vast majority of people that transitioned towards remote work were doing it in an emergency capacity. So I love that the media is now using this term work from home because it really is that. We just traded the office for the home, but it's not really remote work. Remote work is empowering people to take their work with them, it not being a particular place. And inside of that, focusing on the managerial underpinnings of managing a remote team. The vast majority of books right now, and I haven't found one yet, actually talk about how to manage a remote team. They simply assume it's exactly the same thing. And unfortunately, it isn't. You mentioned the term asynchronous management. So what is that and how does it work? Asynchronous management is the philosophy that you can operate a business without actually interacting with people face to face. And this was born out of the remote pioneer movement. All of these guys that I've interviewed over the last 20 years that have built multi-billion dollar companies. And the thing that's craziest about them is they rarely interact with their employees face to face. And they rarely interact with them even through video programs like Zoom or Slack or any of the other kind of direct synchronous forms of communication that you're probably accustomed to today. They build processes and systems. They have project management systems that allow them to be able to manage these people without actually interacting with them directly. It's somewhat counterintuitive, but what it creates is an environment where you can scale your organization as quickly as you want because it's actually the platform that is the manager, not necessarily individual employees. And the first principle of the async mindset is deliberate communication. Where do communication breakdowns arise? The vast majority of those are in understanding communication in asynchronous ways. So we have a personal saying inside of our company, and we apply it to almost everyone else that we talk to, which is, always assume positive intent. You can't communicate emotion through a Slack message or a Google uh, Meet message or through an email in the same way that you can face-to-face. So you always have to assume positive intent for people. And that usually gets rid of the vast majority of these situations, but fundamentally, it's just emotional communication, uh, which is very difficult through asynchronous remote teams. Democratize workflow is the second principle of the async mindset. What is this and why is it so important? So when you look at remote first organizations, the vast majority of them, and again, it's a very small subset of what I'll call work from home, they provide a form of radical transparency that you probably never really experienced before. We have a saying, which is anyone that joins the company should have the same informational advantage as the CEO of the company. So when you provide that type of advantage, it allows for that employee to be able to, number one, make much more autonomous decisions without necessarily management telling them what to do. But more importantly, it actually allows them to accept difficult decisions that are coming from the CEO or their executive team. So when someone joins the company, they get access to the P&L. They know who our customers are. They know how much they make. Uh, they know every single meeting. They know the minutes of those meetings. They have the same informational advantage as the CEO. Again, it's pretty scary for a lot of CEOs to do it, but once they actually do it, your employees are going to be much more loyal to the organization and understand why difficult decisions are made inside of the business. And of course, what gets measured gets done, but how can an employer generate detailed metrics for the area of remote working? 
So that's another thing that I think is quite interesting. When I've been studying the corporate in-person office environment is it seems like the vast majority of metrics are recorded in a very old school way. I tell you what my metrics are. You tell your manager what my metrics are. And then that manager tells the boss what the metrics are. Inside of asynchronous organizations, we document that entire process. So everyone has to report their own quantitative longitudinal metrics and anyone inside of the organization can have access to those metrics. So it allows for people to be able to very clearly see exactly what Liam is doing or exactly what Carl is doing or Suzanne is doing, and then seeing how that impacts their success. The last point that I'd make connected to metrics is it's really important to be able to identify the right ones. And we talk about that in the book in depth, but really taking the time to be able to figure out what metric moves the business as opposed to the ones that just look good. And remote working has not just changed organizational practices for existing employees, but it has also changed hiring and onboarding protocols. What advice do you have for employers in this regard, Liam? This is a big one. We've seen the quote-unquote great resignation over the last year and a half. More people quit their jobs in the month of June in the United States than in the history of the United States. And I'm sure we've probably got the same types of numbers throughout Europe as well. We're seeing a massive shift, and the vast majority of those people are leaving because they're being forced back inside of the office. So when you onboard people, it's really important to be able to, number one, provide them flexibility in their work lives. So do they want to work from an office? Do they want to work from home? Come to them, ask them what they want, and that's going to, number one, significantly increase your retention, but more importantly, allow for much easier onboarding. The next thing that I would touch on is the actual process of onboarding is, again, pretty broken because we're simply using the model of the office to be able to communicate to remote-first organizations. Inside of remote companies, the vast majority of onboarding is actually done by the platform itself. All of the processes and documentation is basically consumed by the individual employee. And then when they're ready to talk to their manager and they have questions, that's when they reach out. And Liam, one of the other challenges that lots of employers seem to have experienced over the past two years with that transition to remote working is actually in relation to training new staff. And it seems to be that it's taking an awful lot longer for a staff member to be trained in terms of how to do a particular role remotely than what it would in an office environment. What advice have you got for employers in that regard? Well, again, that's a breakdown between the recreating of the office and remote work. So, What I would suggest to them is, number one, we encourage everyone within six months of them taking on a position with us, we write a core document, which is how to do your job. And vast majority of people are about six pages long. It has links to a bunch of other processes inside of the organization. And then inside of that, the employee ceases to own that position, but becomes the operator of that position. And again, that's a very small shift between owning the position and operating inside of that position. Because sometimes we'll analyze that document and figure out, wow, there's a whole bunch of stuff that you're doing here that you don't need to do anymore, (laughs) that we could basically automate with software that we can have you focus on more difficult problems inside of the organization. And if you do this for every single person inside of your company right now, uh, it's going to, number one, allow the organization to move a lot faster, but when you actually leave that position and someone else joins, 
and has that new onboarding experience, you're going to have a document tailored exactly to them because they're going to be the new operator of that particular position. Your book, Running Remote, details real-life case studies. So what stories stand out for you? I love the one of Coinbase. So Coinbase is a cryptocurrency wallet. They IPO'd at $141 billion US right in the middle of the pandemic. And for the first time in the history of the Security and Changes Commission, they were able to state that their headquarters is nowhere. And the reason why they were allowed to do that is because they said anything else would be a lie. And they entered number 89 on the S&P 500, the 500 most powerful companies in the United States. This is just going to show you that remote companies that were built from the ground up with a remote philosophy are actually not just lifestyle businesses or businesses that you kind of do on the side that maybe make half a million bucks a year. They're multi-billion dollar, or in this case, $141 billion mega corporations that I believe are actually going to become the majority of the leading companies in the next five to 10 years. Social isolation is an aspect of this new way of working that can cause issues for employees. So how should it be addressed by employers? The breakdown and misunderstanding of where socialization comes from, I think is a really interesting subject here. So the vast majority of the time, adults get their socialization from their work environment. So they socialize where they work. And that's kind of their, I call uh, the arranged marriage concept. This is like arranged friends. This is, you didn't choose those people directly. They're just the people that you end up working with become your friends. Well, inside of remote first organizations, you can choose your own path. You can build your own social relationships. And you can make sure that you're staying away from that social isolation that is classically what the vast majority of these newly remote employees are experiencing, recognizing that you can go to co-working spaces, you go to to coffee shops, you can go to different sports leagues, um, different classes that might be offered. That's where you want to be able to get access to that social network that's going to be able to not only sustain your social life, but also reinforce your work life. And finally, I think that we've all accepted that remote working is here to stay, but what does its future look like? I think that we're moving from a state of emergency work from home to remote work, which is what it was before the pandemic started. In 2020, of January of 2020, 4% of the U.S. workforce was working remotely. By March, 45% of the U.S. workforce was working remotely, and this is extrapolated throughout the world. That was the largest transition in the history of work since the Industrial Revolution. But the Industrial Revolution took 80 years, and we did it in March. So I see us moving that same level of that same exponential shift over the next five years, where we're going to see that the genie's been let out of the bottle. You can no longer go back to the office completely. It's going to be a hybrid and remote first world. Well, if you've just tuned in, that was Liam Martin, the co-author of Running Remote. And I'd like to thank Liam for sharing tips about how to develop the async mindset with us this morning. Southeast Radio's Business Matters with Carl Fitzpatrick.